Come with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Ghost Chronicles International. I am Ron Kolick, your host. And joining me all the way across the Atlantic Ocean in Wales, the land of the Red Dragon, the gold standard in ghost hunting, Mr. Steve Parson. Good evening. Mm. Sorry I sounded a little distracted when you called. It's just I was reading the handbook for my new car. Oh, you bought a new car? Yeah, arrived what, what today. What color orange is it now? White. 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 Ah. Well, it's black and white. Mm. Mm. Is it electric Go. hybrid? Yeah, it's another of those damn hybrids. You don't like I, them, huh? I love them. Hybrid number three. I'd never go back. So, I, I mean, they're hybrid, electric too. So, where do you get your electricity from? Um, from a big row of lithium batteries stored under the back seat. Yeah, but how do you charge that battery? From a small petrol engine under the hood. Oh, so it's self uh... self charging. Oh, that that works good. That's what always scares me about the electric cars, Steve. Is, yeah, is I know. Like, well, that's my that's always been my issue. Juice them up. <laughs> well, that's always been my issue. You see, my parents and daughter live two hundred miles away. Yeah. Now I can drive all the way there, uh, have a cup of tea, talk to them, two hours later, jump in the car, drive all the way back again. Mm-hmm. You can't in a high, in an electric car. I would have to spend the night there uh, because you, you've got to wait six or seven hours for the damn thing to charge up again. Yeah, that's, so, that's strange. I don't so know it's like, why, why we're not putting small petrol engines into the electric cars I mean, I know a lot of Tesla drivers who carry Honda generators in the trunk. <laughs> That's funny. Be- because yeah. it gives them the range. But, you know, what a, what's baffling me is not, it's not actually, I mean, I've had a hybrid now for six years. Yeah. Um, That's why I ask, you know, because you're, you're you know, yeah, you're ne- I'd, I'd yeah. never go back. I'd never go back to a normal um, gas car. Um, they're just, so much better in so many ways i mean 90 to the gallon um that's that's decent you know that's not to be sniffed at in these days of gas being over here in the uk about why to the gallon because is is it generating electricity (laughs) yeah it's got full regenerative braking um so i mean i mean why is it taking anything to the gallon ah well because it's only got a the battery range is on batteries alone would be mm-hmm. only about fifteen miles. Oh, okay. So you need your car running to charge. So, well, the it, it runs it it runs on the batteries for about if you were around town mm-hmm. and just driving normally, you're probably running on the batteries for about seventy percent of the time. Oh, okay. And then when you need to go on uh, motorways, you know, 70, 80 miles an hour, then it needs the assistance of the petrol engine. But the petrol engine doesn't doesn't drive the wheels directly. Um, There's no connection between the petrol engine, the gas engine and 
the road wheels. Oh. Um, the gas engine generates electricity, which is then fed to the electric motors. Mm-hmm. So, but it's not that. That's not the clever part. The clever part is because I mean, this is something that you probably don't have as much of in the US as we do in the in in UK, the UK Europe, because um, we have a lot more stringent safety regulations Mm -hmm. like our car uh now the new one because it's to the latest standard it was only built a few weeks ago um has they have the chips yeah (laughs) (laughs) um it steers itself it breaks itself oh shoot me no, it's it's not autopilot in the conventional sense. If it detects, uh, if it's got banks of sensors all over the front of it, radar yeah. and cameras, and well, if it sees, well, well, the last one had similar, you know, the next generation back technology, yeah. and it, it was reliable. Um, okay. And it's a Toyota, so it's very reliable anyway. Um, normally, um, if Japan gets wiped out from the virus, there won't be need <laughs> to make Toyotas. But if you if you wander out of lane, the car will steer itself back into the center of the lane, mm. which is quite disconcerting when it when you experience it for the first time. Yeah. Um. It also when the cruise control's on, it radar locks itself to the a vehicle. You know, like the hell you, you se- or whatever. Yeah. You se- you select which vehicle you want to radar lock to, and it'll lock itself to that. And as they speed up, you speed up. As they slow down, that you and it'll follow them. You know, it's very disconcerting. But the well, weirdest thing, the police cars. <laughs> <laughs> the weirdest thing of all is, um, it, and this is in a this is a European regulation that Britain adheres to, um, which is the um, the advent of what's called e-call SOS systems. So if the vehicle is involved in an accident. Um, then the vehicle itself dials the emergency calls calls the emergency services yeah. Yeah. and transmits its location and yeah. the number of the number of passengers because it knows from the weights on each of the seats. Mm-hmm. Um, also, but you can also manually activate that. So you've got this SOS button yeah. behind a switch. It's like and, star in our car. It, it's it's clever technology. Yeah, I mean, we we have some of that stuff here, but you oh, know, I know I mean, you I, have some of it. When, I mean, in twenty thirteen, when I went to get uh, when we bought the the little Subaru Impressa, mm-hmm. we we didn't buy. We bought one down from like loaded because yeah, they yeah. had this this stupid technology there would tell you when you went out of lane and tell you if you're uh-huh. driving too close. I just what I need is another woman in my car. Well, we have that. We don't have the option. It's 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 a requirement. Yeah. It's fitted. Uh, oh. Some of it's quite clever because, you know, like I was delaying. That's me. Well, it depends how you have the alarm settings. If you turn all the sounds and the lights off, then mm-hmm. the car just gets on with doing what it wants to do. Um, but but I live where I live. It's a it's a blind entry exit onto the highway. Oh. Um, and so you, you always take, you know, the back of the car into your own hands as you start going out. Mm. Um, now you can I can just about see an oncoming vehicle through a gap mm-hmm. so there was an oncoming vehicle and I deliberately left the car to its own devices to see what would happen although I was covering the yeah. brakes at the time thank god <laughs> <laughs> 
And the car just gently stopped and waited because it could oh. see it, because its systems it has sideways mounted radars at the rear, yeah. Yeah. and you know so it could see this other vehicle coming before so before I could. Technology. And people are worried it's... about chips in their vaccin- vaccinations. <laughs> well, that's that's the other news today from from the U of the U of K, mm-hmm. um, which is that we're now vaccinating everybody over 16 but you know what's really sickening about all this in 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 the vaccination centers now because this group this 18 to 30 year old group who who Mm -hmm. are the ones who are the most infected Mm -hmm. and are now i don't know if i want to get the vaccine so what they've done in the vaccine centers they've built in selfie zones so they can have a selfie Um, they're giving them Domino's pizza vouchers. Yeah, I know. They're giving them. And they're giving in, cash in the U.S., yeah, a hundred dollars yeah. in some states. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I Get Here's a hundred bucks. Yeah, I mean, what happened? You know, when when I was a kid, you were grabbed by the top of your ear and dragged yeah, out to your parents. Right. And like, Get your vaccine. Like in Massachusetts and other states, they have uh, vaccinations. They have lotteries. If you're vaccinated, you're part of this automatically part of this million dollar drawing. Yeah. We were just you know, just get your freaking vaccination. Bam, yeah, take it. That's it. Yeah, just twist the top of your ear and drag you down to the exactly. docks. Exactly. Shoot, yeah. shoot the drugs into your arm and you go, there you go. There you go. Over and done have, with. A, have a lollipop. Yeah. Can you imagine doing that in the army in the old days? Probably now they they call you them. I don't know. Oh, all this, all this, like oh no. Um, the little delicate ones and their mental health could be affected if they yeah, have yeah. vaccine for. Uh, do you remember the, the army would act like a World War II? That I means just you went in there, they gave you shots. You didn't have any options. You did, they well, just gave them to you. That's how it, but that's how it should. I mean, we're in the world, in the middle of a global pandemic, mm. and we're now negotiating with with people. They just say, I just saw on the on the news today. One of the doctors was saying that we now, because of this Delta variant or, or whatever, I don't know what they call it in the UK, but here it's, it's a Delta, Delta variant. variant. Yes, I mean. uh, it, it, they, they now saying that herd immunity has got to be 80 to 90 percent because it's so freaking contagious. It's more common. It's more contagious than the common cold. So there you go. Yeah, but they're saying over here, yes, it's more contagious, but the symptoms are less. Yes, it is. If, if and, you're vaccinated. And, and if you even if, you know. You you've got next to no chance if you. I think it's either get a shot or get shot. I think that's a good idea. I'll that's go along with that, Steve. Yeah, we'll we'll we'll. I like that's know. a good slogan. Yeah, we should we'll coin post that. Off, I, we'll post that off to Biden. Yeah, there you go. Get, get a, a shot. Get a shot or, get, or shot. get shot. I like that, Steve. You you are early on to something. Yeah. Send so, anyways, we we went on a little bit on the vaccine, yeah. but that's all right. Well, um, we always have a vaccine slot at the start of the show. Now yeah, now. I guess I guess whatever. So anyways, as you know, I got because we're topical. Yes, we are. I got this book uh, called Psychic Oddities uh, from Harewood Carrington. And what is it? Harewood. Where's the Haber out of there? H-E-R-E is here. Harewood. 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 I'm sorry. He's named after an English king, King Harewood. Harewood the way. You mean Harold? King Harold? No, Harrowood. Forget it. H-E-R-E-W-A-R-D. Harrowood. Forget it. Anyways. 
And uh, it, it's an interesting book because he talks all about the some, a lot of the early cases and everything. Whoa, and, and whoa, whoa, the, whoa, 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 Have you read a book? Yeah, I read a book. Yeah. My God. Well, I haven't gone completely through it, so don't get it too excited. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm reading quite a bit of it because it's quite fascinating. Some of these early cases and some of these things I have never heard about before. Uh, and and I, I wanted to... I wanted to talk to you about some of them, Steve, because, you know, I, I respect you quite a bit because you are a council member of the SPR and a member of the uh, whatever the hell is that other thing, the uh, Ghost Club. And, uh, you know, you're well respected uh, gold standard and ghost hunt, according to the New York Times or whatever it was. No, Wall Street Journal. So, you know, I do respect your mm-hmm. opinion. I mean, I well, always agree with it at times, but I no, do respect it. Don't expect you to agree with me. I mean, so, it's got to be wrong sometimes. I'm glad you admit that. No, I mean, you <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, so I want to I, I want to go through a couple of things, but this this one is a is a case, so you're gonna have to bear with me. It's uh, it's about a page and a half long, so it, it's a little you know it's not gonna take me two minutes to get through. It's gonna take me a little longer, so please bear bear with me on it. But I, I wanted to. There's a couple of points I wanted to make in it. So let me go. Uh, this is actually the first case in the book. It's called The Aluminum Plate. Um, it says, I shall begin with a fantastic case, which seems utterly incredible. And yet it happened. And it happened to him, actually. In the course of of sitting with uh, Eileen Garrett. You know who Eileen Garrett is? Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, my wife had been told by Alexander Graham Bell no less, to procure an aluminum plate and suspend it in a free space with a small wooden stick against it, uh, such as used in cleaning one's fingernails. I don't know. There must be something for the time. Uh, He promised to try and wrap on the plate, and, uh, and we did as requested. In other words, Alexander Graham Bell said that he would uh, wrap on the plate. The plate oh, was nice. uh, accordingly uh, procured and hung in as directed. It should be said that the aluminum plate was obtained from a paint supply house, the sort of sort used for dipping them in the paints and testing its purity of color. This plate was therefore absolutely devoid of any marking scratches or any, any kind of, uh, you know, anything uh-huh. like that. And carefully examined to show so that, you know, he looked at it good after hanging for three or four weeks. okay, three or four weeks in this manner, the stick was removed since no wrappings of any kind were noted. Mm -hmm. The plate, however, was allowed to hang from the from a gong stand. I know what that is. Okay, stand hanging Uh, gong. I don't want to touch that. Since it was out of out of way and I had no use for other use for it. Some days later, while walking through the dining room in which the plate was hanging, we noticed what appeared to be markings on it. Mm-hmm. These turned out to be scratches that could be distinctive, distinctively felt uh, by your finger, you know, by running your finger over. The plate was then again uh, hung up and after being examined a few days later, more scratches appeared deeper and seemingly more intricate design. We are now uh, 
we now became interested. I would think so. Uh, carefully, we cleaned the plate with uh, jeweler's rouge and marked off certain areas where there were no scratches. But markings appeared in those areas too. We have no cats, birds, or other animals in the house at the time. And there seemed to be no earthly way that these markings could be made. We showed the plate to several meteorologists, meteorologists, meteor, metalists, anyways, and they uh, stated that uh, as far as they could see, these markings could only have been made by an etching needle. Uh, the base of one of the scratches appeared to be fused, a small blob being noted there. It's almost done. In order for the scratched, in order for the scratched plate, it would be necessary to hold it in one hand and use whatever tool are required in the other to mark it. Uh, okay, so let me see. We so they compared various uh, uh -huh. kitchen utensils and to see if they could make create markings where they were unable to do so. Uh, more still, the markings, uh, more markings appeared. We finally took the plate to Bell Laboratories, Bell Telephone Laboratories, knowing one of the research chemists there. Chemists there. In a dust-free room, photomicrographics were made of the plate showing enlargements of the 30 diameters. Diameters, I don't know what that. The photograph was clearly showed some tremendous interlacing of the lines and depths of the scratches. This place mm -hmm. is still in my possession and can be examined if anyone has sufficient interest to do so. So, I mean, what's your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, um, say, say somebody came to you as as the case. Well, I was making a rough sketch of of what he was doing with it. Um, okay. So I, so he's taken an aluminum plate. He yes. suspended it. Um, so it must have been leaning with the wooden thing yeah. leaning on. With, yeah. yeah. Okay. So it was. It was. It was. Um, or this this device, this wooden stick, was leaning against the plate. Yeah. In the hope that it would leave an impression or a mark or somebody or tapping. Remember, it was supposed to yeah, or tap, yeah. tapping yeah. with it. Yeah. He then got bored of that because nothing apparently happened, and then he hung it on a gong stand. Yeah. Um, and then went about his business, and then noticed some time later that there was some scratchings, and then got reinterested in it and um, such like. So, so that I think does that is that accurate. Uh, fairly much so, except that, you know, the scratching wasn't a one-time thing. It occurred many times. Yeah. No, that's what I mean. Yeah. After he first noticed it, then he yeah. was aware of more scratches. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a good con well, conversation. Of it. Well, on the surface, <laughs> excuse the pun, um, it's... Oh, that it, was rather good. It's not really implausible because we have similar reports from from other cases where writing and and marks appear on on walls and other surfaces mm -hmm. and in fact you know these these are quite well documented in psychical research uh, these spontaneous appearances of scratches um words letters you know the famous one of course being bawly with um light mass prayers marry and help me which appeared spontaneously on the wall in pencil. Yep. Uh, I would like to have seen some additional controls um, in place before the experiment was ever commenced, mm -hmm. um, and then during the after the you know after the um, scratches had been noticed, which yeah. 
I don't know if he's if he if he actually used because Carrowood, uh, Carrington was a competent investigator, very high standard investigator, and may he may have um, used these controls, but then simply neglected to mention them, which That's I find I find odd, but possible. Okay. Um, the first the first thing I do know is that uh, from handling uh, aluminum mm-hmm. is that it's very it's a very soft metal. Uh, right. And it's very easy to etch the surface of the metal um, with something as common as as the the acid on in your sweat on your fingertips, for example. But he did say that they used the kitchen utensils to try to duplicate it, and they weren't able to duplicate the the scratchings with any of the utensils. No, but but what I mean, I'm only, I'm only like, what I, I know, it's like, difficult because we weren't there, right? Yeah, now, what know. I would have liked to have seen is perhaps a more thorough cleaning of the plate before it was employed um so specifically to remove any trace of surface acids or handling acid you know acid from the fingers yeah during during the investigation we're in a spot where there are no marks he cleaned yes he he used jeweler's rouge he, he yep. mentions that um yes. And then and the scratches after, and the scratches and reappeared so he is that. applying he is applying some degree of control um it would be nice if and my final my final comments would be that the the scratches appeared we what um after he got bored of the first experiment and then hung it up on this stand now we don't know who what were or who wandered past it in the intervening period before the first scratch appeared mm-hmm. and we don't know and he he didn't seem to mention what he'd done with it in between each event that took place uh, I you know it just went back up on its yeah earth. so it, it could be that you know i mean let's just take a really simple scenario okay um he had oh. a he had a domestic assistant a, a house cleaner uh it was his who, own house yeah wait, okay i see that okay. who just yeah. you know or one you know may even have been a child you know um because unless it was under observation or under cover and protected then what Carrington can't demonstrate, and if somebody brought it to me, I would say to them, well, can you demonstrate that there was no possibility of human interference? Right. Um, But that doesn't negate the fact that, you know, I am aware that Carrington is very competent, um, was was a very good investigator, and that these events, similar events, are not unknown under control conditions so they do they 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 have been reported by others now he did like he said he went to a metal metallurgist yeah thank you so much metallurgist as we yeah yeah thanks good somebody can uh, translate for me and uh, also to a chemist from bell lab Uh both examined it in a dust free you know so i mean he did call in experts in certain fields to uh, investigate it and yeah, you're right though it, it, in order to be a true you know a I really mean, you know, a good uh, experiment it, it should have been under observation by camera or or something like or, that or, 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 or even, locked away or yeah, yeah even if you put it out you know out of reach of somebody right. mm-hmm. um but does it does it negate the fact that it could be paranormal well no it doesn't you know, it still could be a paranormal event that was taking place there. Um, but we can't, and this is often the problem, isn't it? Um, 
is it worth putting the controls in sometimes you know you ask yourself well yeah. what will i gain from doing that and carrington may have thought it merely a curiosity and so he didn't he didn't give it you know the 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 credence at the time that it possibly deserved and you hear this with witnesses quite a lot and it can be endlessly frustrating when they say to you oh yeah the ghost walks we we all see see the ghost at the same time on a monday night walk across the room well did you get a camera no we never really thought of getting the camera phone out and you think to yourself well to my way of thinking, it would be a really logical, obvious thing to do. But sometimes people don't do what you would think is really logical and obvious. Right. You know, sometimes it just doesn't occur to them. You know, the amount of people that say to me, oh, I, I see apparitions or I saw this or I heard that sound or, well, did you bother to record it? Uh, no. Um because you've got a smartphone, haven't you? Well, I did think about it afterwards, and my husband mentioned it. And <laughs> you know, human, and that's the big problem with with psychical research. And it's not the fact that the phenomena take place because they do. What where the real problem lies is that they they happen to human beings, and people are unpredictable, and what they do is unpredictable. You know, they they can do or not do something that you would ordinarily do. Yeah, and the the interesting thing about it too is where the idea of the experiment came from. From uh, um, Eileen Garrett, of course, who uh-huh. is, is, you have mentioned many times about the- uh, Many, many times. Our 101, and is, is she accepted as a, a a genuine medium or uh well she's accepted as someone who um almost certainly had unusual abilities now trying to say we first of all we have to define a medium you know we're back to that old problem again oh, what's yeah. a ghost what's a medium how do you define it one person's belief is another person's you know make believe mm. um I genuinely believe, me personally, genuinely believe that Garrett, Eileen Garrett, demonstrated some unique, special abilities that we would struggle to explain. Mm-hmm. But were they, in fact, she herself didn't believe that they, it was dead people speaking to her. She, she herself set up the parapsychological uh, foundation because she wanted answers. Yeah. Uh, you know, she she mistrusted these abilities that she that she had. Well, that's I mean, that's that's actually a sign of a, a good investigator, isn't it? Yeah. To, yeah. yeah. To to question. Absolutely. And, you know, her granddaughter, Lisette Coley, still you know maintains that tradition to this day. You know, she runs the PF over in the States down in. Is it Greensboro? Oh, North yeah, Carolina. Yeah, yeah. We should get her on the show. That would be great. Should. I don't know if she does. Oh, we've got to take a break, and I missed that totally. All right. You're listening to uh, Ghost Chronicles International with Steve Poss and Ron Kolick, and we'll be right back after the following messages right here on Tojanet and Pararex Radio. Welcome to Tojanet, radio with a cutting edge. Do you have a paranormal event? 
book or something else you want people to know about? Then why not advertise it on Ghost Chronicles Radio? With over 150,000 downloads a month, get your message out to an audience that's interested in the subject. We have a plan at a cost that fits your needs. For more information, contact Ron Kolick at anyghostproject at comcast.net or call 978-455-6678. They're creepy and they're kooky, mysterious and spooky. They all talk ugly gooky, the Parax family. The shows are paranormal, not stuffy but informal. The topics are abnormal, the Parax family. They're strange. Unrestrained. So grab your favorite brew. It's time to rendezvous as we give awards to the Parrax family. Welcome back to part two of tonight's double packed edition of double Ghost packed. Chronicles. This is this is the Ghost Chronicles International Edition with your distracted host, uh, New England's own Van Helsing, and your less distracted. Now we support the car manual the way host <laughs> in in Wales, the gold standard. And we're talking some psychic oddities, starting with aluminum plates. But before we go on to the next psychic oddity, just a quick update. Do you remember last week I was saying I brought back the little stone statue? of the, Yes, you um, did. Yeah. Well, I finally identified it. Took a while. Had to email a museum or two, but got the answer. It's a gin. Oh, cool. Not not my favorite tipple. Um, the yeah, other sort. The yeah. other sort. J. The one with the J. Yeah. Instead of the um, G. Specifically... Um, a demon gin. Ah, sweet. So there you go. Anyway, sweet moving on. Mother Psychic, mercy. Psychic oddities. Mm. Excellent. You know, it's you, you can't have enough uh, haunted crap in your room. You know, that's the way I always look at it. Well, that's true. You know. So we um, we we're kind of coming off on on what we were discussing earlier with the aluminum plate. And, uh, you know, we all hear about automatic writing and, and you mentioned about writing appearing in Borley and, and in other mm-hmm. places. But the, it doesn't always come in as just straight writing. I mean, there is things like oh, no, mirror, no. mirror writing, for instance. Well, I mean, the idea of writing appearing on walls goes right the way back to the Bible, doesn't it? The moving wow. hand wrote it and one who finished it moved on. What was it? Uh, Nebuchadnezzar? Uh, you got me there, my friend. Anyway, anyway, it's 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 been around for thousands of years, this idea of um the spirits communicating. Yeah. But you're absolutely right. The writing off you know, isn't normal writing. Um it can be symbols, it can be signs, it can be scratches, scribbles, different um, languages random stuff you know it could be well again they're, writing well they're in you know you start to get this problem that evp has because you know is that really a word 
is that really a sound or does it just sound like or does that letter look like that one backwards you know it's there's the you know people have interpreted um scribbles on walls as saying different things and you can see this actually when you go on a ghost hunt and somebody's doing automatic writing and they're you know they're holding the pen in the hand and above a piece of paper and they're scribbling frantically you and then they show it round. You might get four or five different versions of what people can see because mm-hmm. people can, you know, particularly, I mean, and I go back to Bali again. Um, some of the the interpretation of um, Marie La, Marie La, the nun, the French nun's name. Right. You can't read that until you know somebody tells you that's what they they said and in fact there was a slight disagreement between some of the participants over what was actually the the nun's name supposedly um and so rather like how we hear things you know we get this audio pareidolia people see shapes in the in the scribbles and they they try to make sense of them and they'll that they may be influenced in in that uh, decision making process by what they know of the location or what they know of um, the stories or the history or what somebody's just blurted out from it from the other side of the room um, and that's why for example when when people are transcribing uh, evp or doing listening tests or even looking at photographs that are submitted for analysis is that you don't tell the person who's doing the analysis what it is. No, no supposed red circles on photographs? No red circles, um, no, tra- no transcript for uh, the EVP audio, because you are, you are colouring their judgment. So whether the writing actually is backwards or whether it is, you know, a symbol, you know, this is the part of it that's subjective. Um, yeah, the more of the conundrums of psychical research, I guess. I guess the uh, I mean, I, I know this in, in the first hand in that, uh, you know, when I, I post a photograph and I, I'll ask, you know, just be, I post a photo. This isn't the mysterious photograph, uh, mysterious photo thing. If you put it in there and you just whatever thing you write on it, you put it down there and then you let it go. Now, if people don't know exactly what they're looking for, they come up with different interpretations of that photograph. They say, oh, I see a face here in the left-hand uh-huh. corner. Uh-huh. Someone says, oh, I see one here on the right-hand corner. You know, it, it, it's totally open to interpretation uh, if it's not pointed out. And so oh, yeah. that kind of yeah, that kind of hurts. Uh, I mean, there was one. There was one quite recently on social media where the person had posted an image that they'd taken with their camera phone, and they were concerned about a face that had appeared in a window. Mm-hmm. So they stuck it on social media and said, "You know, uh, what can you see?" But that's all they put. So you know, Good. kudos, a, kudos to I'm them for that. doing that. Yeah. yeah. Um, more than half of the the participate uh the re the replies ignored the window and pointed out something in a different part of the photograph altogether <laughs> now instead of saying oh no that's you know heck you know that demonstrates that maybe the window isn't quite so interesting what they what the person then because it's social media isn't it and they said oh it's two ghosts in a photo <laughs> of course they do 
Um, and actually, by the time it had finished the 300 and something replies, they decided that there was actually four ghosts in the picture. Yeah, I know. They, they, they proliferate like rabbits. They do. Yeah. They, they absolutely do. But this idea of, of um, front-loading expectation, priming the pump, is something um, quite recently. Now, you know I'm in the SPR, um, but that doesn't mean to say that the SPR is always necessarily right. Um, really? And there's been, there was quite a heated debate um, blew up inside, the, inside of um, the SPR. And it related to how to deal with a spontaneous case. Um, and there were some people who were saying, you tell the investigators or the bulk of the investigation team very little about the phenomena. Um, mm. So they, so you are controlling the flow of information so you are not um, priming the pump of right. expectation and belief. And there were others just as uh, fervently saying, oh, well, of course, the more people that know about it, you know, we, we need to discuss this and theorize and, and hypothesize mm. before we go out there. And it was trying to convey to the this group of individuals the idea that you know expectation is a powerful motivating force um to a group of individuals who actually aren't investigators uh, most of them have never been near a haunted house but they would all like to um what just wasn't sinking in you know they all said well it's good science you know scientists all sit around and they they discuss stuff and hypothesize about things and they come up with things to test and we, yeah, but investigating isn't science you're not doing something in a laboratory under under controlled circumstances what you're doing is you're working in in a chaotic environment with Field people work. and trying to extract some data wherever you possibly can and then building that using that data to form a hypothesis it's a different process altogether and these members of the spr um just couldn't get it because they weren't experienced in field investigators mm -hmm. now you know i agree are. that <laughs> you should have as little information on the place but also it just seems on, so common sense. I know, but also on the, on the other side of the coin, uh, the team leader or whatever has to at least know yes. a little bit about it to where he can, uh, you know, maximize his resources. Uh, oh, you agree with that, right. or, or oh, yes? no, you are you are one hundred percent right. But there has to be a protocol to deal with that. And yes, um, in fact, there is a protocol to deal with that. It's one used by parascience. It's one used by SPR investigators. Um, since i introduced it because <laughs> i'm not kidding um, i know i no, it's just funny because so, like i said i respect you and i just and, and i just found that amusing it's something that we 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 realized many many years ago that that the lead investigator the team leader has probably already interviewed the the homeowner the client um and has a great deal of knowledge about the case. So that person, that team leader, is then the nominated. You stay in the base room and oversee, you know, the whole thing. Um, you know, you are the coordinator, and so you need to know when people are going on breaks, where they are, what they're doing. But you're not allowed out in the field 
because if you go out in the field and say hey i just saw an apparition then you're tainted because you already know you are full of knowledge about the case and about what was seen where by who when what was heard by who when and so you know Anne has worked, Anne and I worked very hard, Anne in particular, on trying to mitigate that process because the person, you know, the lead, the person who did the interview is the person then who is removed from the field and put in the base room to oversee the general running of the investigation. Now, they, that doesn't mean to say that um they tell people what to do or where to go but somebody has to maintain the record of where people are mm. and that's their job so well, they're not directly used in the field investigation it, it, i i would i mean if i was doing it in a perfect world and i had a, many resources to me i would absolutely have whoever did the initial interview not even there on the investigation uh, whatever the pertinent information as far as uh-huh. locations to cover. To me, that would be the ideal way of doing it is yeah. not to remove those people completely. So there is well, absolutely would, no chance. It would um, in a perfect world. But um, yeah, know, I'm saying a perfect world, Steve. A, yeah. a team, a team and an investigation, you know, you only have a finite number of resources. Yep. You know, your team might be six people mm-hmm. um, and you might need every man jack of them to to. Uh, fulfill some role now one of the roles is a coordinating role and that's simply to make sure that everything is being done uh that stuff is being handed out handed in um but there is also a second necessity and this this was highlighted again many many years ago we were sent on an investigation a training investigation for asap and um, the lead the lead investigator we were we had all of the the tech the cameras and the sound recorders and they said, well, we're not going to tell you where to set it up. Um, you know, you just go and set it up generally around the building. And we said, well, that's a complete oh. waste of resource. Yes. You know, you've got to at least tell us where to point the bloody stuff. Exactly. If, we're, if we, you know, so and and anyway, as we as we said to them, look, the big issue here isn't one of knowing what you're going to capture because people will very quickly realize that the camera is pointed in a particular direction or the sound recorders are in a particular room. Mm-hmm. So you can't hide the fact that the prime. So we, we, the compromise we use is that um, people know that the main phenomena are visual or audible. That's all they know. So but it's either right? or temporary or whatever it might be. Yeah, they know okay. what, so they know it's either sensory because we don't tell them it's temperature. We say it's either a sensory um, experience, a visual experience, an auditory experience, or a combination of okay. those. Um, and that it's in room one, two, four, and zone B. Mm-hmm. Because they need to know where to go, yeah. and they need to know where to you know position themselves so that mm-hmm. they're not in, in the wrong place at the wrong time. Because yeah, want- I mean, if you go to a place where only activity is reported in the basement and you have people you know all over yeah. the house maybe nobody in even in the basement if you know no, have, it, it, yeah. exactly and you don't you don't want them all in the attic when all of the activities in the basement right so you you have to give them some information but you have to know what information you've given them 
Yeah, you have to document it. You're right. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's the job of the coordinator. But that person, because they know all of the information, usually mm. is then taken out of the, in, you know, the field, so to speak, and put in the back room with the radios and the stuff to to make sure that people are in the and i mean simple things like make sure that somebody doesn't come wandering through somebody else's patch area mm-hmm. unexpectedly so if somebody decides that they need a toilet break or that they need to you know step outside um you need to make sure that that you know whoever they're going to walk past knows that to expect them coming around the corner mm-hmm. Because if you if you know if you don't alert them and say you know Fred's going to walk around the corner on his way to the outside, he's going to scare the bejesus out of somebody. <laughs> so you know that's the role of a coordinator is to stop these you know easy to fix problems from taking place. Um, so you know it's kind of like you know there's that guy they have on aircraft carriers that moves the little pegs round, little aeroplane models round on a wooden board. Uh, oh, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah well that's what our coordinators do they move little um yeah, you know, like little... even even in the fleet though like you do you remember when we were in the uss salem and we went in the control yeah, room they yeah, had the fleet, yeah. fleet all mocked out and well we do them. we have yeah. we ha- we have a we, you know we've used a similar system we use little little lego figures on a plaque yeah, and we and we move ghostbuster guys no they're just little fit lego figures no no, no ghostbuster guys no that'd no. be silly um, um, I will admit. A ball one for Dylan. A bald one for me as well. Um, We've got one with a baseball cap on for you if you ever come. Ah, good. There you go. That's excellent. <laughs> but uh, no, seriously, that's how we do it because you yeah. know th- that system works for the military in the 21st century because it's a very easy system to for anybody to understand. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we tried writing it down on bits of paper. You know, Fred in Zone One and John in. Yeah. But then it's like, oh, I've got to cross them. was so much easier, right? Yeah, because you have to cross them out and move them there and write that there. Whereas if you just if you've just got a, a rough sketch plan of each floor, you just put these little dolls wherever you need them. Uh-huh. And if somebody's going somewhere, that you take them and you move them there, and then you can That's see it. visually, yeah, what, you can get where you they can, are and everything. You yeah. can literally do, you know, you can be doing something like typing or writing, and you only have to look, you know glance at the plan to see where everybody is yep you know it's kind of like driving down the road i like that a lot actually well you know there's not really any you drive down the road and you glance at your sat nav Mm. yeah you know it's it's that same visual easy the whole thing is make it as simple for yourself as possible Mm -hmm. but it's accurate but but accurate you know you don't have to make things complicated I'll give you another, I mean, you know, another easy thing to do. Um, Many years ago, we were doing a medieval convent. um, And one of the phenomena there was uh, was reported was that a door would swing to and fro. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it would do it slowly over a period of time. And it was apparently it would take several hours to move through, you know, part of an arc as the door swung. Oh, wow. Uh, So, you know, this was in the days before you could leave. A, you know, you'd have to change your tape and a camera every 45 minutes. Oh, yeah. Minutes yeah remember, those, remember those days? Time yes. to change. A, and, you know, if you forgot to change the tape, 
um, that's when it was going to happen, just after oh, the tape ran out. So what we did is we thought, well, we can't, you know, we can't sit here and like change tapes every, you know, for the whole 24 hours we're there. So we sellotaped um, a sheet of paper to the floor and then we we taped a pencil to the bottom of the door. So if the door moved, if the door moved like a seismograph thing. Well, if the door moved, it drew a line on the bit of paper. Yeah, yeah like a seismograph. Yeah, that's and it. you know, that's awesome. we could we could see did it move and by how far. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really simple stuff. Yeah, now that that's the amazing thing about it is you know we've got so much electronic crap nowadays, Steve. You uh-huh. know, we we've got well, you know that you got paranormal pussy there and cat toys and yeah, all kinds of other stuff and you, you know and. None of that stuff has necessarily no. been reported of any use. And... No, well, it's no more use than, than what Herowood Carrington was using when he sealed up it, or Harry Price. You know, if they wanted to make sure that nobody walked through that door, they sealed it They sealed it up with some sealing wax and cotton. Exactly. Yeah. You know, nowadays and... we've got beam barriers and infrared howlers and you don't need it. No. Nope. You need it sometimes when there's no other way around it. The thing that cracks me up, Steve, is is that, you know, we've got all this electronic gear, right? And uh-huh. you go through the entire list of history of uh, the paranormal experiences and, and, and occurrences that have occurred since electricity has been invented. And you see that electricity has been all effed up by it to be honest, quite <laughs> frankly so you, you know you're relying on equipment that evidently could be effed up by paranormal activity yeah, yeah. and again you, you have to think you know about that problem because mm-hmm. in the early days another thing that you know we, you did we did because everybody you know we used to deploy the cameras out and then run hundreds of yards of um cabling back to back to a vcr Mm. and a monitor and you know you would have this cable sneaking all over the building oh god yeah and then we realized that we were getting the same glitch on every camera or you know several times yeah that Mm -hmm. that glitch on you know all four cameras because they're all plugged into the same system Mm. so or if the power went off you lost all the cameras Right. So what we did is we 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 threw out the CCTV system and went back to standalone camcorders. Because, you know, the chance of them all having an identical failure, because each one was a, a totally independent system. Right. And it was portable and you didn't fall over the wires. And I mean, we, we've kind of gone through that now because uh, yeah. we get the new Lorax system. And they each have their own independent SD card inside, uh-huh. and yet they're still transmittable to uh-huh. uh, a, a, a screen as well, so that you have that double thing. You, if you want to monitor it, you can monitor it. Well, that, that makes but, perfect but, sense. But you can lo- also just lock it off and, and not worry about it because it's recording all the time. Yeah, that makes perfect sense because um, you know it, it's very possible, and I've seen it so many times, where if you're sending a picture wirelessly to a to a a monitor or a recorder that's that some you know somebody keys up a radio or walks through the beam between the two of them or you know you suddenly get the the, the picture goes all haywire or drops out or 
you know, that could be an anomaly. It could be the spirits interfering with it. But if you've got that as a monitor and you have on camera SD card recording, mm. then you're not going to get those glitches recorded by the on camera SD card. Right. So it, and in fact, uh, two of the new camcorders that we've only just acquired um, and the SPR have just just uh, got a bunch of them as well, actually have um, dual camera systems on them. So that because one of the big problems was, you know, the camera's facing one way and then the camera, you know, something, there's a sound or the camera. And how many times have you seen the camera moved? Yeah. You know, was there somebody behind the camera? Well, this this new camera by Panasonic, been around a couple of years now but it has a selfie camera on it as well another video camera fa that faces backwards oh wow so your main camera is looking forwards and then in the corner of the screen is the view of the other camera which you know faces well it can face in another direction it doesn't have to face just straight backwards mm -hmm. you know you, you can aim it and it's very wide angle mm -hmm. uh, and the idea being it's a selfie cam so, so that okay. so at least now with these new cameras we can focus on say an object that moves and we can look at that object on the main screen but the camera is recording the video uh, feed from both cameras and you can see them both at the same time yeah. so you can say look there's nobody in front of the camera and hey there's nobody behind the camera. Yeah, we've done that similarly, but you know, not with that camera. We've put it in a couple cameras where yeah, that's how we the cameras are in past. view of each other. Yeah, that's what we used to do in the past. You yeah. used to you yeah. aim cameras at one another or have two of them so that they're side by side facing in different directions. Um, but it, it's so much simpler to have oh, one yeah, camera. That's that a great idea. It. And do they, I have, will... do they have 360 cameras that you could sit in the middle of the well, room and well, would actually? Well, for the last five or six years, Parascience uh, has actually been using 360 cameras. You have? Uh, 360 can, video. Can you set those up like in the middle of a room? Yeah, what we do is entire... we, we have four of them. And okay. uh, whereas we would put four cameras into one room, so there'd be one in each corner looking inwards, mm -hmm. that, that meant we could cover the room. Um, yeah. What we now do is we, we set the tripod up bang in the center of the room or as close as we can get it. And then this this 360, it's not just 360 horizontally, it's 360 vertically. It's a ball. Really? So you can look up, down, left, right. And Wow, this, that is amazing. It's a Panasonic, you said? No, it's a Nikon, and they're only $300. That's not bad. That's, so, we, so over how, the years. How do they record the SD? SD card. Wow. And they have their own battery, or you can power them off the you know, electricity supply. So mm -hmm. you can do both. So we stick it on a tripod um, and it's it's one of these action cam type de devices. You know, it's mm -hmm. a 360 degree camera. There, there, there are several now on the market right. and the prices is, are, are, are falling. When we, we got the first one, it was about $500 and we had the one. Mm -hmm. And then two years later, Nikon just slashed the price yeah. and they went to $200 each. So we bought another, another bunch of them. Yeah, sort of like the uh, the thermal cameras there. With, yeah. With, yeah, so so now, when, yeah, yeah, so that that's two hundred two hundred dollars now. So yeah. now what we do is we we just chuck one of these in the middle of the room and leave it. You know, that's the whole room covered. Yeah. And we can you know we can zoom in, zoom out, look up, down. It's like you sitting there. It's it's you know, technology can be incredibly useful. 
I know we, we are coming to the end of the show and I, I just have, you know what, maybe I'll bring it up next time. Uh, but the role of the, the, uh, the client of the eyewitness in investigations and, and we, 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 We'll talk about yeah, that next week or something. They do show witnesses. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that because I think that's kind of important. It's it's also overlooked as well. So, anyways, support. yeah. So that that was uh, that was interesting. Uh, yeah, the three sixty camera. That's something I really have to look into. Save my pennies for it, I guess, or I'll win the backs of millions. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, just keep going uh, round and round. Keep getting the shot. The new books coming up. Uh, not this week. No. I thought I'd take very, a break this week. <laughs> very shortly. No, it's the new books. Your new books there. Uh, yeah, they should both be on Amazon by now. Both Amazon and US too as well. Yep. Oh, there you go. So check those out. Uh, the field guide. And what are these, Steve? I don't want to mess up the title. Uh, it's Ghostology, Revised Edition, and the Using Equipment Guidance Notes for Investigators. So there you go. So two really good books for those who wish to. And they're full of really helpful stuff. I like taping pencils to doors and using. I know, books. excellent idea, Steve. I, I have to give you credit for that. Anyways, you've been listening to Ghost Chronicles uh, International, Steve Pass and Ron Cole. Stay tuned for Ghost Chronicles Next Generation and uh, find uh, out if to... Ron's read any more books. <laughs> <laughs> Don't push your luck. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Good night, everyone. God bless, and thanks for listening. Good night. to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us good 